Well, I hope you're all doing good this morning. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. A message this morning titled, The Work Within. These things the Lord has us talking about in these cross-preaching churches. I'm not ashamed of that. These things the Lord has us talking about in these last days churches that God is raising up to bring the focus back to what's always been His focus. The question should not be why are y'all talking about all this? The real question should be, why have the church not been talking about all this for 2,000 years? The church has been talking about things, but for some reason, it hadn't been changing them. It hasn't been causing rivers of living water to flow from their bellies. So these things the Lord has given us in these last few moments... The devil will do everything he can to try to keep distract you and keep keep your attention away from Calvary. He'll use your family. He'll use your friends. He'll use those that you may be in ministry with. He'll use your co-workers. He'll use your classmates. He'll use anybody he can to try to get you to look away from Calvary. You know, you never got yourself in trouble unless you was looking away from Calvary. Amen, That's right. Ever. Amen. Ever. You've never gotten yourself in trouble while you were beholding the Lamb. Lord. And the distractions are many. And I told you Wednesday night that everything is intensifying. Whether it's the path that God said would become more brighter along the journey, Proverbs 4.18, or if it's deceitfulness and deception, it will become more deceiving. So that's why we have to understand truth. Jesus said when you know the truth, the truth will make you free. Lots of Christians not living free. They but one thing that can mean that they don't know the truth. It has to mean that. They might have knew the truth and been given freedom, but they're not living free, which that means that they're not knowing truth. Having believed is not the same as believing. Let me say this this morning. It's the application of truth that makes us free. Not the mental head knowledge of it. Not the being able to quote a Bible verse. It's the application of truth to my heart that makes me free. And we're going to begin to look this morning at something the Lord has given me to title, The Work Within. 
So in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, we see familiar scriptures here as we know them. We've seen them many times where Paul writes to this Philippian church. And we'll begin in verse 12 where he says, Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and and trembling. How many of you remember what Jesus' answer was when they surrounded him and said, what must we do to do the works of God? Jesus said, just believe on the one God sent. But we have millions claiming they believe on Jesus, but the works aren't there. If we're believing on Jesus, that's equated to God, to the works of God taking place. So there's a lot of people that claim they believe on Jesus, but there's no fruit of it. Because what must we do to do the works of God? And Jesus said, believe upon the one God sent. That was him. So while we're believing on Jesus the works of God will be taking place in and through our lives. And if that's not happening, there's only one reason why. We're not abiding in the Word. Jesus said, if you continue in my Word, then you'll be my disciples. And the truth, you'll know it and it'll make you free. Abiding. See, a lot of people step into a relationship with Jesus, but they never abide in his word, continue in his word. Amen. And it's because a lot of people, they rejoiced when they heard the word, but they never took root, so they withered away, the Bible says. You must continue in the word. He said that to those who believed upon him. Read it in John 8. It's there. He said this to those Jews that believed upon him. If you continue in my word, then you'll be my disciples and then you'll know the truth and then the truth will make you free. The very experience of Christianity. And when Paul here tells the church at Philippi, as you've always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. When Paul uses the word obeyed, he's referring to a yielded heart that trusted, that obeyed that form of doctrine that had its beginning there. You remember Romans 6, 17, and 18. When the heart yielded to the truth of the cross. The Bible says it this way there. When you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine that was delivered to you, having made you two things, free from sin and servants of righteousness. That's what happened when you were born again. Are you still experiencing that freedom from the bondages of sin? And are you still serving His obedience unto righteousness? That's, that's what he talks about. 
That's what it's on his mind. That's the mind of the Holy Spirit when he writes this. Not in just doing things. Because the doing of things is irrelevant if it's not flowing out of an obedient heart. Things that look like obedience may not be obedience to God. Obedience to our God is only seen if it's the obedience of Christ. We don't have any obedience unless it's His. Everything is all about Jesus. And we are joint heirs. I think too many times when we think about us being joint heirs, we're thinking about heaven later, the new earth and the new Jerusalem. We're joint. Anything that we have, it's His. This faith we have, this obedience that we have, this grace that we have. It's all His. He says here, Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, not just when I was there, it wasn't just for show, but now much more in my absence, much more when I'm not even there, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Know this today, that your mission, number one, is not to save the lost. It's to work out your own salvation. When you're in this process, you will have a concern for the lost. You will want to see them saved. You will want to see a backslidden church coming back to where they began. In the process of you working out your own salvation. Mm. Verse 13. Well, let me say this before we go any further. This process is not a tiptoe through the tulips. This process to work out your own salvation is not going to happen without fear and trembling. Amen. Ever. Ever, if we're working out our own salvation, means you can't work me into mine. You can't work my salvation out. You can encourage me and you can edify me to work my own salvation out, but you can't work mine out and I can't work yours out. And hear me this morning, it will not happen without fear and trembling. The church today has just melted away the fear of the Lord. You remember what God did in the very earliest of the early church to bring the fear of the Lord in the church. He killed, let me say that again, He killed Ananias and Sapphira in the new covenant church. What y'all looking like that for? Who you think killed Ananias and Sapphira? Who you think struck them dead? Well, I thought that only happened under the Old Testament. No, that was in the New Testament. See, it gets quiet because these are things the church that... We just want to hear how much God loves us. We just, we just want to hear how much He loves us. You know, Let me tell you this morning. 
The Lord has allowed me to go through many things, and one of the most important things that I, I went through was finding myself in a horrible mess spiritually, yet knowing God loved me and knowing I loved Him. Knowing God loves you will not save you or deliver you. You must know what His love provided for you to save you and deliver you. And Jesus died for us in fear and trembling. And if you're going to work out your own salvation that He provided, in the fear of the Lord and trembling as a weak man. I said a weak man. Y'all know he, he was crucified in weakness, right? What is that? Second Corinthians 13 and 4. He was crucified through weakness, but yet he lives by the power of God. And we are weak in him. Yet we live by the power of God. That's what that Bible verse says. So you and I are called to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. We're not working out salvation if it's not with fear and trembling. Because our flesh and everything about us is against what Jesus provided for us at Calvary. Amen. The world is against it. Our flesh wants no part of it, doesn't want to submit to it. Everything is against this plan of God's salvation. Everything in this world is against it. That's why God said that you are only allowed to boast in the cross because there you were crucified to the world and the world was crucified to you. That means separated. So to work out what God worked at Calvary and is now working in us will be with fear and trembling because everything might seem good for a few moments every once in a while, but here comes something to bring fear back into it. Verse 13, the word for means because. So let's read verse 12 again. I don't like getting in a hurry. Let's read verse 12 and allow the Holy Spirit to guide us right into verse 13 and see it as it's really written this morning. Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Let's stop there again as the Lord gives me something else to say. He can't work out your salvation. He can't do what he's told you to do. There's that quietness again. He's, he, he can't put the new man on you. He's told you to put the new man on. Oh, it's all done by the Spirit, but it's not done by the Spirit without your willingness. 
See, the promise is to whosoever. Oh! Whosoever will. He's not going to work out your salvation. He did that 2,000 years ago. He's telling you and me, you and me, by the Spirit, by the measure of faith we received, we have everything we need to work out our own salvation because He's already saved us. He's already given His Son. He's already shed His blood for us. He's already given us His Spirit. He's already given us the measure of faith. He's given us everything we need to be able to work out what He's working in. But He won't work out. He's only working in. You got to work out. Hmm. I'm just preaching better than your amen and hallelujah. We... We, we think we just go through life and if he don't do it, it won't get done. How many, how many Christians you think like that are on the planet? Well, if, he'll, if he's going to do it, he'll just do it. Oh, no, son. He already did it. He did it before the foundation of the world. Hallelujah. And then he said, I'm going to manifest what was finished in eternity past on a hill called Calvary in my son. I am going to put him to death to try to save every human being. And the work was finished before the foundation of the world. So everything's already been provided. Peter even writes that you've already received everything you need to live a life of godliness and holiness. Everything you need. We already have it. If we're begging God to give us something He's already given us, Amen. then we then we're warped in our thinking. Yes, Amen. Yes. When He gave you Jesus, He gave you everything. Yes. Hallelujah. So He says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling because it is God which works in you. Both to will and to do of His good pleasure. See, I can't work out of anything that God's not at work in. There's a work that's before my work. And even my work is by the Spirit of God that's working in me. I can't work out of anything that God's not working in me. And I can only work out of what He is working in me. I can't work out something else. I must always pull and draw, whether we'll use the word draw, from the well of my salvation. His help won't come from nowhere else. Prayer is not your answer. In prayer, if your heart's right, He might give you the answer. But prayer is not your answer. The church men, by the millions, think that prayer is your answer. Prayer is not your answer. Prayer didn't save you. You said, well, I was saved when I prayed. Yeah, but prayer didn't save you. How do I know that? Because that's something you were doing. You can't save yourself. 
You can't deliver yourself. You can't mature yourself. It takes at all times a yielded heart to the very work of Jesus in his death at Calvary. God's not offering us anything else to find where he's working and what he allows us to work out of. He's not offering us anything else. The church, the Pentecostal part of church that's, that's moved away from Calvary, they, 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 they aren't learning that Calvary is what it took to produce Pentecost. And when you go through the cross, when you go through Calvary, you get the Holy Spirit. You, you, you end up at Pentecost. You end up full of the Holy Spirit. But then the Holy Spirit says, now you've got to go back to Calvary. That's right. And if you're not willing to do that, then Pentecost is of no use to you. It turns into uh, emotionalism and feelings and hyper-emotionalism. If the baptism with the Holy Spirit doesn't take you back to Calvary, then the Holy Spirit's not guiding you. He's not guiding you. Because I can be baptized with the Holy Spirit and I can speak in tongues. But if I'm not trusting in the death of Jesus, then I'm not going to experience what God is working in me. Because if I'm trying to work out of Pentecost instead of the death of Jesus, I'm not going to find the Holy Spirit and I'm going to have to make things up and start playing make-believe. And that's where the door opens to other spirits. And they can, they can, my goodness, what's that word? Very similar, familiar. And we can be deceived. We can be deceived. And most of the church is deceived. Most of the Pentecostal part of the church doesn't really know anything about the moving and the operation of the Holy Spirit. God brought us out to take us in. And the only place he takes us in is into a deeper revelation of his son. That means the cross. For that's the only object your faith can be in and you found going deeper in your relationship with Christ. Because that's the manifestation of God's love which is deeper than we can fathom. And let me say this this morning. We hear phrases like the victorious Christian life. And you hear me, I've used it, most preachers have. And you hear phrases like going on into the deeper. Like, listen, I get all that. And there's nothing wrong with saying that, really. But it's really just normal Christianity. And all Christians have the opportunity to live victorious. All Christians have the opportunity to go deeper and deeper and deeper into the intimate relationship they have with Jesus. 
and to experience more of his salvation that has become ours. The salvation he offered, not that he needed. We needed to be saved. And he saved us. So the Bible here says in verse 13, for it is God which works in you. Where is he working? Where? In you. Not outside of you. How long do we need to stay here? Where is he working? Not outside of you. If God's at work in your life, it's in you, not outside of you. This is new covenant. It's not old covenant. This new covenant, this is the work within. This is not old covenant. The Holy Spirit show up every once in a while to get them through something or to prophesy about something that was coming and always about Jesus who was coming. It was always to get them through a battle to give them wisdom about something outwardly. Do this. Light this candle. Pour blood on that. Outwardly. 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 But the new covenant is a work within. It's a work within. The work within is the only thing that results in the proper and scriptural work without. Folk want God to work on the outside, but he don't. He only looks upon the place where he works, and that's the heart. The Bible says God don't look on the outward of men. You line up. 20 men over there, and, there's, and, there, and you're looking for a leader. I promise you, it happens every time. You, you, you can't talk to them. You're just going to select them by viewing them. That's it. And there's, there's 10 of them. Let's say there's 10 of them. There's nine six-foot-four men, and there's one five-foot... No, 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 no. No, no, let's, I messed it up. There's nine five-foot-two men, and there's one six-foot-two men. They go in with the big guy every time. Or if there's a bunch of white folks, whitewashed like me on the outside, who knows from where, and the rest of them are tall, dark, and handsome with glowing blue eyes, or vice versa. I keep saying all that one of them's like they're going with him. It's written about. When God's getting ready to give Israel a king after they done show they wanted their own king, and God now's finally going to give them the one of his choice, he, what's the man's name? David's daddy? Jesse. He said, Samuel said, we going to see Jesse for I've selected myself a king from among his sons. Well, they line them up, man, to the most eloquent and handsome on down to whatever, and they said, no, there ain't none of them yet. God said, no, ain't none of them yet. You sure this all your boy? And they said, no, we got one that's ruddy out there. He's out there with the stanky sheep. <clears throat> and, and Samuel said, well, I ain't sitting down till I see him. Amen. See, God uses the least likely to succeed among men. Don't that, that'll make you happy. 
Because that's how everybody in high school is getting voted most likely to succeed, most handsome. Where did I fit in? Least handsome, least likely to succeed. I ain't trying to be funny, it's true. <laughs> Just like God ain't looking for who men have up on a pedestal. Jesus was born in a what? Cow trough. Amen. For it is God which works in you. Both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Now, we're not going to continue to read in this chapter. But immediately after this word here, he goes into what they ought to be doing and not doing. That's an impossibility unless you understand what it means that God's working in you. But it says here that he's working in us both to will and to do. Of his good pleasure. And remember, he can't have any good pleasure. It's impossible for him to have any good pleasure without faith. So faith has to be involved here. And that faith has to be bending my will to be in line with his will. It has to be bending my to-do to be in line with his doing. And what's in line with his doing is the fruit of what he did for me at Calvary. How do I know? Because that's what I'm to work out. My salvation. That's that's what I'm working out. I'm, I'm not working trying to get God to do something. I'm working out what he's already done. So many Christians trying to work and get God to be pleased at something they're doing so maybe he might give them something. He's already given you everything. And you'll find it when you learn what it means that he's working in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And then from that, you're working out of that because your will and your to-do is being conformed by the renewing of your mind, transformed rather, by the renewing of your mind to prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Only the will of God pleases God. So this is the transforming process. He's changing me. See, i got a saved soul now, but it's still my mind, my emotions, and my Will. So even my saved soul now has to continue to be transformed because I still get to choose and I still get to feel and I still get to will. And I don't always feel right. And I don't always think right. My mind. And I surely don't always allow my will to be bent into his will. You know how I know I don't? Because I do big pieces of stupid. Just like somebody else I know. You. 
Me and Seth know about DPs is stupid, don't we? We've done one or two, haven't we? One or two million. And that was just in one or two days. God's working, somebody say, in me. In me. So that I can work out of me what he's working. You can't work. Listen, the result of our work, the Bible says in Hebrews, that we're laboring to enter into his rest. Our work, really, what we're working out, the fruit of our work is the result of his finished and perfect work. And in that work, we rest, Brother Donnie. We rest. That don't mean we don't do nothing. No, that means we're now in the process of fear and trembling, working out our own salvation. You're living in a world that don't like nothing about salvation. Do you know why everybody hates Israel? Do you ever sit and wonder that? Do you know why the world hates Israel? Because if Israel really does have the one true God that called them and made them the nation they are, then that means all that they serve and what they call God ain't God. That's why they hate Israel. Because if they are a people that God did make His own people and did put His name in that Little bitty nation, if all that they claim is true about them, then that means Buddha is nothing but Satan. Islamists ain't nothing but Satan worshipers. That's why they hate Israel. But that's soon coming to an end. They're going to see a man. I said a man. The Bible says in Exodus 15.3 that the Lord is a a man of war. They're going to see the man, Jesus Christ, standing on the mountain. He's not going to need your missiles and your nuclear activity. He, when, they, when he gets them all gathered over there, he's going to do what he already did on Calvary once. He's going to make a public display of them again that he's king of kings and lord of lords. He's not going to need atomic bombs. He's not going to need the marines. <laughs> he's going to destroy them all by the breath of his mouth. One man. And he's going to prove to the whole world that Israel is his people. And that those who are standing there with him by the millions, I hope, in white robes are his people. It's coming to a theater near you very soon. So it's God working in you. The preacher can't work in you. Your spouse can't work in you. Your parents can't work in you. God is the only one that can work in you to produce through you if He can get your will and your to-do bent in agreement with His to work out what He's working in. I've said it here recently and I believe it until I'm corrected with scriptures that he's not working love and peace and joy into me. 
He's working into me that which has provided love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, faith, all the fruit of the Holy Spirit. He's working in me that which out of that comes all of that. So 2 Corinthians chapter 4 this morning. And again, when we say, why is all this being talked about now? I've not heard a big focus on this in the church, really, in all of my Christian living. And in the Lord, He said this to me the other day. Curtis, the question is not why are we hearing this now, but why have we not always been hearing this? Because without this truth, it's all just tiddly winks and make-believe and I hope everything works out and we can go to church and put on a good show like we're sure of everything, but we're really not. Because you're only, your blessed assurance, not just in where you're going, but that, in you, that you can depend upon God now. That you can trust Him now. Christians know where they're going to be when the dust settles, but we need to know where our God is now. What He's doing now. And how it can result for me now. That's what we I know I'm going to heaven. I know I'm going to walk the streets of gold. What I need now is to know where my God is now. What is He doing? How many times you get yourself in a mess or not really that, just horrible, horrible things happen to us. They do. And there's not really an end to that yet. And many times in the midst of the most horrific things, we say, God, where are you in this? Where was you in that? Well, he's unmovable. He's right where he's always been since he saved you and he's doing what he's always done. He just wants you to wake up and get a hold of what he's doing so that you can work out of what he's doing. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 10. Paul says he's always bearing. Now, this is not just for Paul. Don't let some preacher tell you this was exclusively for Paul. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. Now, remember there's a scripture Paul wrote to the, uh, well, it was the Corinthian church as well. And he said there are many weak, sick, and dying prematurely because they're not discerning the Lord's body. Remember that. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. Now, that's the first time here he's told you. He's going to tell you again. For we, everybody say, that's me. I'm in the we. I'm in the we. I'm not in the they. I'm in the we. For we which live, that's me, I'm alive in Christ. We which live are always delivered unto death. For Jesus' sake. Why is that? 
so that what he did on Calvary's cross won't be in vain. We're always delivered unto death. Why else is that? Because it's the only place your faith will work. We're always delivered unto death. Why else is that? Because that's what you've got to be beholding if you're going to be being changed into that image. And that's in 2 Corinthians, the third chapter, verse 18 before this chapter. Only as you behold this glorious image are you going to be changed into it, going from glory to glory by the Spirit of God. Not just beholding anything, but what you're being made conformable to, Philippians 3.10 says, is the death of Jesus. So watch. For we which live, that's me, are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake so that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. Mm. Look at the next verse. So then death works in us, but life in you. So here we see what God is working in us so that he can change our will and our to-do. See, if we don't understand this, we'll just leave out of here today, and there's no way that we can be of the same mind, the same spirit, speaking the same thing. We'll just all think that God's, well, he's doing something different in my life. No, he's doing the same thing in all our lives. This is where we've missed it as a church. He's doing the same thing, the same way in all our lives. He's working death. That's the death of Jesus and my union with Him in that death in me. Only through that can my will and my to-do be changed. Only through my exercised faith in what God is working in me am I going to come out of that with the expression which is my working out my own salvation whose name is Jesus. He is my salvation that's being worked out of me. He is the expression of my salvation. He is the rock of my salvation. What does it mean? It means that God's working death in all of us because only out of that death for Jesus' sake and what He did at Calvary can come the expression of resurrection life and power that we have now. What do we want to see in our lives? What do we want to see in each other's lives? Resurrection power. But it can't be seen or experienced unless our hearts are touching Calvary. Resurrection life only flows out of death. You've been given resurrection life and power because of your heart yielding to the cross, the death of Jesus. And while you are now yielded to this truth of what God is working in you, which is not a whole list of things. Oh, how we've missed it. He's not working a whole list of things. 
Well, God's wanting to change me here, so He's working that in me. No, He's not. Well, God's wanting me to be different in this area, so He's working that in me. No, He's not. He's working death in you. So that you can moment by moment remember and keep your mind on Jesus is the answer. Jesus died so that you could die and be put away. And now, not I. I is put to death. My will and my to do. Is die. It's die. And what comes out of that is the not I, but Christ. That don't happen because I quote it. That don't happen because I hear a message on Galatians 2.20. That begins to happen in me experientially by faith when my heart yields again to the very death. See, what happened 2,000 years ago is what's happening in you now. If it's God, that's what's happening. I said, if that's God working in you, that's what's happening. Because he can't work out of nothing that he hadn't already provided. Mm. So then death works in us, but life in you. Well, that kind of sounds weird. Well, death is working in you, but I, he, he's working life in me, brother. No, this is talking about ministerial right here. This, we, we ought to all be very concerned about this. Because you're not going to express Him except through God's work in death in you. If you're trying to be more like Jesus and imitate Jesus, that last part, you can scratch that off. You cannot imitate Him. Every time I try... I find out it can't be done. But you know what I'm learning? I'm not called to imitate Him. I'm called to partake of Him. And where I partake of Him is in His death. If you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you don't have any life within you. And the church has taken that message just to be an introduction message, an entrance message. But if you stop eating from that table, you'll go blind. You will lose your discernment for the Lord's body and you will weak. You'll be weak sick and die possibly immature. Amen. I'm just preaching the Bible this morning. You will. be To be involved in what God's doing going to take more than giving somebody a bottle of water. If there's going to be any life in you because of what goes on in this ministry, death has got to be at work in this ministry. This is why the preaching of the cross yes. is the power. Yes. Hallelujah. Yes. 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 
thousand years later, it's not changed. We've tried to change it because our flesh don't like it. We've tried to move it out of the way. Just bring in Pentecost. Let's all sit around and speak in tongues for three days and roll up underneath the chairs and swing from the chandeliers. Let me tell you, my friends, if death ain't working in you, none of that means nothing. And I promise you, when death does start working in you, most of that's going to fall by the wayside. Not that you're going to stop rejoicing because my Bible tells me to rejoice always in the Lord. But rejoicing always in the Lord happens in the church today for the most part when we feel good enough to rejoice. But rejoicing always in the Lord is the result of the impartation and applied truth. Applied truth causes me to rejoice always, whether I'm laid up with diverticulitis or how you say that long it don't matter, you might be laying home with COVID, you can be rejoicing always, God can be applying as much truth to your heart laying there on your deathbed as he ever did because you know there's only one way he does it and that's working death in you You ain't got but one working ground. We all on level playing ground. If you're going to go to work for God, you've already been given all the tools you need. From Calvary's cross, Jesus died. He's, when he disarmed fully the enemy, he armed you fully with everything you need. And now he's working in you what his son finished, and he's only pleased with what's coming out of that. Only what's coming out of that. That lets me know that if it ain't coming out of that, it ain't true faith. God is working in me every moment death. This is why Israel got sick of the sacrificial system. Think about this in the Old Testament. Do you know they finally threw in the towel at one point and went 300 years without observing the Passover, which is the very thing that made them who they are? Sick. They killed all the prophets and told them to repent, get back to the sacrifice. They killed them all. The church ain't no different. Sick of hearing about the cross. 18 years ago when this church got started, it was in a great time of turmoil in our lives. Not knowing what was right anymore because we've been in so much that we're wrong. And I told the Lord, Lord, I love you, and I don't know anything. I'm not sure about anything except that you love me. But I was still in a mess. Sure about that, but still in a mess. And he began to show me, through Brother Swagger and Sun Life Radio, the truth and the focus of the cross. And there came a time when I knew the Lord was stirring me to start a church. And there finally came a time during that time in prayer one day I said, Lord, there's 500 churches in our area. And he said, but they're not preaching my gospel. 
And today, many hear that and they say, well, there's always been people preaching his gospel. That ain't what he meant. He meant that ain't all they preaching. There's churches out there that mention the gospel. There's churches out there that preach the gospel on Easter at Christmas. There's churches out there that preach the gospel if, if there's somebody lost, they, they're trying to get them saved. But the church today is not determined to preach that and nothing else. Amen. That's what he meant. And people have not liked that. Recently somebody looked at me concerning another ministry and they said, well, they've always let other people come in and preach that didn't know this truth. And I said, well, then that means they ain't never been determined, right? God's looking for a determination. Amen. Because anything that's not pointing to where God is working, you can't work out of it with Him. Anything that's not pointing to where He works, you can't be a co-laborer with Him. You can go do a thousand things and stamp God on it, but if it's not an outflow from a conscious and deliberate trust in the death of Jesus that is being worked into you and worked out with fear and trembling, it will not be co-laboring with the Lord. Amen. That's why we are here in our little building in Queen City. Because he is looking for ministries all over the world to be determined to know nothing else. The message of the cross is not something that you just begin to hear and say that's right and then move on. It's far too revelatory, far too deep, far too meaningful to God. You must learn to tarry there. If you stay there, if you stay there, then you'll be in the place where he can pour into your heart. That's why for 18 years, it, it, it has, this revelation, this great illumination has never gotten old. Because he promised the light of the just will shine more. Not less and less, so we have to start doing what? No, the path of the just, the salvation of our God is what will shine more. And those who have, more will be given. Those who have not, what they seemed to have will even be taken from them. God's working in me so that I can be involved in what he wants to be worked out of me. It takes both, him in both areas. He's the one provided his son. He's the one who's provided his spirit. He's the one who's working in me by his spirit. And he's the one who's trying to get me to change my will and my to-do so that he can, he can be expressed through me. It's never about me. Amen. Not I, but Christ. Yes. Amen? Yes, amen? Not us, but amen. Christ. 
Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? Thank you.